Welcome to episode 28 of The Process. Step out on faith. Thank you for being here with me today. Appreciate you for coming. Change on me if you knew the truth Knowing I ain't the same person that was introduced Thank the Lord cause I don't look like what I've been through Here's a letter to you I'm back again Jesus on that cross I had to rise again Time to get my blessings, time to get my blessings I had to live my life, I had to learn my lessons I had to keep that smile but deep inside I'm stressing Just trying to keep my spirits from that deep depression Welcome to episode 28 of The Process. I am Quavon Taylor. And I am Omonte Martin. Today we have Ms. Jamika Wester on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Ms. Jamika. Thank you for having me. Can you tell the listeners where you're from? I am originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, but now I live in Houston, Texas. How are you enjoying Houston? I love Houston. Houston has been very kind to me. Houston, H-Town. So what was it like growing up in New Orleans? Um, I mean, growing up with my peers, um, we all grew up in the same neighborhood. We went to the local school. Um, we were all poor in a sense, um, but you didn't realize it because everyone, you know, had the same experiences. Everybody's parents were kind of in the same neighborhood, had the same types of jobs. So you kind of didn't think anything of it. Um, you just thought it was kind of normal. Uh, what were some obstacles you had to overcome growing up in uh, New Orleans? Well, as a teenager, um, one of the biggest obstacles that I think that any teenager could face is having parents who are um, drug addicts mm-hmm. and people in your neighborhood knowing that your mom is a drug addict. Um, so that was a big obstacle because, of course, you know that you're going to get made fun of. Um, you're going to be disrespected. You know, of course, you want to defend your mom, but everybody knows that she's a drug addict. So it's like, what can you do? So I just immersed myself in school um, and just made sure I was able to make the grades I needed to make to get out. I guess your escape was school. But, you know, how was that you know, dealing with that on a daily basis or or just staying focused? I mean, it definitely was hard, but I always knew and realized that that was my mother's issue. Um, I, I always felt like my mom was sick mm-hmm. um, and it was something that she really couldn't control. So I never really blamed her for it, but it was definitely just difficult just because I, I have two other siblings, two, two uh, sisters, and we just kind of just raised each other. We didn't have to go to school. We didn't have to go to church. We didn't have to leave the house if we didn't want to because 
you know, my mom really wasn't there. Um, so we just kind of forced ourselves to do what we needed to do in order to, you know, we didn't know we were going to make it out of the hood, which we all did, but, um, we just knew that we needed to do what was right, um, and not have an extra burden on my mom with dealing with the addiction that she had at the same time. Having school kind of as an outlet to, um, kind of navigate throughout your situation. Uh, where did you end up going to school and where did you study? I went to, I, I, well, I started out, you, you mean like um, undergrad? Yeah, undergrad. I started out at uh, Dillard University. I had a, uh, a full academic scholarship to Dillard University. I started out there, but of course I was, you know, in from New Orleans, um, a product of my environment. I had just finished high school. I had a car. Um, New Orleans is a party city. Um, I was the first generation to go to college, so I didn't really know the process. So I got on academic probation because I wanted to do a whole lot of playing around and I was easily distracted um, my first year in college. And so um, I ended um, graduating from Southern University, the, the New Orleans campus. Southern University. <laughs> uh, what did you study at Southern? Business administration. Business administration. Um, and you went on to law school, correct? I didn't go to law school until after I moved to Houston. Okay. Uh, why, why did you choose law school? Well, I always wanted to go to law school, but when I was in New Orleans at that time, once I finished undergrad, I had two children. I had a set of twins um, and they were really young. I didn't really have a lot of help. so. I knew that was kind of like an endeavor that I wasn't going to be able to um, take on at the time. But once I moved to Houston, which was about 10 years later, um, my children were older. Um, my mom was able to help me. My, my mom and my dad had gotten back together. So they were like a huge support system for me. And so I just one day said that if I made a high enough LSAT score that I was going to apply. And I did. And I got in. Awesome. I want to go back to something you mentioned because I, I it kind of resonated with me. Um, so a little bit about my story. I went to Florida and um, my first semester, all I want to do was play football and party. Uh, I got horrible grades. Then I went to Fort Valley State University, got horrible grades, and I ended up going back to FAMU to finish up. Uh, could you speak a little bit about that process of what it was like, um, you know, as a first generation college student? you know, being on your own and then trying to figure it out to end up graduating from Southern University? What was that process like? Well, I, I didn't have um, very much guidance. Um, when I was in high school, I had a teacher who kind of um, helped me with everything because she knew my situation. Mm -hmm. um, so she kind of helped me in terms of scholarships and actually getting into college and stuff like that. But of course, once I'm in it, she kind of took her hand off me because, you know, she dealt with high school students and you know, you do have counselors and things like that when you get to college, but they're not really as hands-on as, you know, um, I feel like they needed to be, which is not their fault because I really feel like my mom should have been a little bit more hands-on, but I just didn't have that. Um, and so I didn't know the whole process of withdrawing from a class and dropping a class and all that kind of stuff. It was an eight o'clock class and I just, if I didn't feel like going, I just didn't. Um, and I just really didn't know the consequence of that because I had a full ride. 
Um, and most people don't have that. Um, and so uh, once I was on academic probation, I, you know, struggled, struggled, struggled. And school was never really hard for me. It just was, I just didn't go. Um, and nobody really told me what would happen if I didn't. I, I you know, I didn't know I was going to lose my scholarship. And so um, I ended up being on academic probation for a little while. And then I took a break. I got tired of school. Then I kind of changed my major a few times. And then I finally just said, you know what, let me go back and get this get this over with. And that's what I did. There's one more thing I want to ask you about as it relates to going to law school. I see it a lot now is that you see a lot of non-traditional students where you go to school, you graduate and you or or you start school at a at an older age and you have to get reacclimated to going to school and you know familiarize yourself with the new technology and things like that. How was that going back to school for you when you went to law school and you know taking the LSAT and things like that? Um, it was scary. Uh because again, it had been 10 years since I had been in school. Um, I was probably one of the oldest people in my class. Um, the learning curve is definitely hard. It's a lot of reading. You gotta think about people who go straight from undergrad to law school. They already have that discipline of, you know, actually studying and all that kind of stuff. Whereas this was my second career. I was a teacher before. And so, um, just the the load um, and the rigor of law school was just something that I definitely had to get used to. Um, and that's why I made the decision to just not have a job at all. I moved back in with my parents, with my children and my dog. And um, and I was and I was able to just have that support because my children were starting middle school. I was starting law school. Um, so we all were starting a new chapter in our life. And so uh, it, I was just kind of all the, all over the place, um, but I was able to just make it work. Once you kind of get through that first semester, you see how it is, you see what is expected of you, and then you, you're able to just uh, adjust accordingly. And that's basically what I did. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And once I graduated, I was just, I didn't even know it was time to graduate. Um, it was just like a, whirl, <laughs> a whirlwind. So, but you just have to stay focused. Stay focused. What? So, what advice would you give to someone um, who's thinking about going back to school who hasn't been in school in a while or is juggling a lot of different tasks? Like, what is that time management? How do you do that? And what advice would you give to somebody? Um. Well, I would I would start off with saying if you want to go back to school, you need to figure out why you want to go back to school. If it's something that you're really passionate about, um, I would say do it. If it's something where you just know yourself and you know you just jump from one thing to the next when it's not working, I would say not do that because you're going to get yourself in a lot of debt um, trying to do that. It's very expensive to go to any um, postgraduate type of situation. So I wouldn't suggest spending that type type of investment on it if you're not going to be serious. Have a plan. Um, I wish I would have done it earlier. I would be so much further in my career, so much further in life if I if I had gone directly from undergrad. But that's just not what happened. Um, I think life experience definitely added um, a lot to what I brought to my law school career. 
uh, especially because I was able to understand a lot of what I was reading because a lot of things I had already experienced. So I would just say, if you want to do it, you know, do it. Just know what you're getting yourself into. Um, and whatever you're going to do, make sure you're going to be dedicated to it. Um, and the worst thing that can happen is that you just go to go back to your regular job, your regular life. Um, if it was paying your bills, you'll be fine. That's the outlook I had on it. If, if it didn't work out, if law school didn't work out, I could just go back to being a teacher. And in the earlier um, part of the interview, you talked a lot about, you know, your upbringing with your um, your parents and everything like that. I mean, you kind of, I know there's listeners out there that can um, identify with you because like my wife um, growing up, you know, her mom was a recovering addict, you know what I'm saying? Um, 20, I think my wife is 27, so she'd be 27 years clean, but she was, um, that she had some type of crack in her system. So like, I mean, that's an amazing story for you to be able to overcome and, you know, some still provide, you know what I mean? You know, make it through. Um, I want to know, in Jamaica word, what does trust in the process mean to you? I think trust in the process would be just, if you are giving your process 100%, no matter what obstacles come your way, you can definitely tackle them head on, even if it's something that you look at as being a failure. Um, your process is your process, your lane is your lane, and you just have to trust that at some point you're gonna get back in your lane and everything's gonna work out the way it should work out. Um, too many times we kind of use our past as like a crutch, um, and I don't, I, growing up poor with, I don't think that I was like born as a crack baby or anything like that, but to be a teenager, basically grown and see your mother, she was one of the people who were outside on the corner mm -hmm. and everybody knew it, that that was my mom. We got evicted, all that kind of stuff when I was in high school. To, to see that and overcome that and still want to be somebody, I think that that is the process that I have to trust. Now, people always say like, you know, there's nothing that I would want to change about my life because it made me who I am. I think the opposite. I would definitely have changed that part of my life because yeah, I might not be Jamaica the lawyer, but I might be, Jamaica the president, yeah. you know, who knows, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 <laughs> who knows? I don't know if I would be worse off. I don't know if I would be better off. I just know that is one part of my life that I would change. It was definitely a hard, a very hard situation. And I think that people don't understand how hard teenagers have it. They feel like all we do is go to school. And I couldn't imagine being a teenager now with social media. But <clears throat> being a teenager was probably like, one of the hardest parts of growing up for me. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really hard. It was really hard. Um, if we would have just been poor, that would have been one thing. But poor and having a mom who was strung out on drugs, that was just too much of a combination for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so who is Jamika, the lawyer today? Who is Jamika? I'm strong, I'm a mother, I, I know who I am, I know what I want, I know what I'm doing. Um, but I know where I, I come from too, you know. I, I, I'm not haughty, I don't think that I'm above anybody. 
I just know that whatever you want to do, you can do it. You can do it because I know people who have way better circumstances and resources that I have who make it or don't make it, but you you definitely can. You definitely can. Um, I had my parents as a support system. I have two children who, you know, their dad is not really a part of their life at all. Um, so you can't use the single mother as an excuse. Um, you can't use your parents as an excuse. You know, your ambition is something that is just, I feel like it's just already in you. No one can push you to do something. You really just have to have things in you on your own. And I just always have been um, self-motivated. Um, I was always able to do things by myself. Um, and so I, I just think that, that at this point, that's who I am. So I feel like the sky's the limit. I know that one day I may want to run for judge. Um, and so now I'm, I'm preparing myself now for that because I know that that's something that I'm going to want to do. So you just have to just always try to look ahead of the situation um, and, and start preparing yourself to, to get there. Start meeting the people you need to meet. Start networking the way you need to network. Um, start acting the way you need to act in order to get where you want to go. Just talking to you right now, you talk so you talk so wise, you know, I'm, I'm all I'm in awe, you know, so I want to know right now, what is something that you would tell the younger Jamaica mm. to help her to understand life a little better now? Um, the younger Jamaica, I would just really say I, I'm proud of you, yeah. you know, because I was in, in high school, It I told like high school was just hard. Like in the middle of like my 11th grade year, someone came to my high school, my neighbor, and got me out of class because they were putting our stuff out on the street, you know? And so dealing with that, lights off, all kind of stuff we had to, it was just me and my, my two sisters and my mom would go on what we would call missions where she'd be gone for, you know, two days, three days or whatever and then she'll come back and then she'll be gone again. Um, and for us to graduate, I was valedictorian. My, my other sisters, we graduated top of the class. Um, I would just say, you really did your thing. You know, <laughs> you, you really did your thing. It, it wasn't like we weren't fast, we weren't disrespectful. Um, because we we could have been. We didn't we didn't have to do anything we didn't want to. We didn't have curfews. We didn't have, we were, we basically, we, we didn't have a mom. She was living her own life, doing her own thing. Of course, she, you know, lived in the house with us, but there were no requirements of us other than she she did say we had to go to school. Um, but other than that, if, you, if your mother's not home in the morning and you don't feel like going to school, you gotta go to school, you know? But we all did, we just knew what we had to do and we just wanted a better life for ourselves. And so I would, I would definitely say I'm proud of you. How was that transition for for you um, switching career path from being a teacher to now practicing law? Um, switching from being a teacher was hard because, quite honestly, I really liked being a teacher. Um, the schedule was great, especially because I had two young kids. So I was off on the summer, the weekends. You know, every time my children were out of school, I was out of school. I loved the kids. 
I just didn't love, uh, quite honestly, administration and how that worked. And I also didn't like the parents and I also didn't like the pay. And so I knew that I didn't want to retire as a teacher. I knew there was more to life than being a teacher. I feel like in some capacity, I still will be teaching at some point when I have the time. But just transitioning from that, I would say it's a, it's a great transition. I don't work as many hours um, and I make way more money. And I have the autonomy that I need in order to do the things that I want to do, like come to the Process Podcast at 12, 15 p.m., you know? <laughs> That's what I want to do. I don't have to be at school all day and grading papers and all that kind of stuff that you have to do. So. Um, it's been a great transition. It's been a great transition. Now, um, the responsibility that I have is is greater. Um, even though I think a teacher is the most important job that a person could ever have, um, but now the responsibility of having someone's freedom on the line is is more important to me. Um, and so I have to take that way way more serious than what I did as a teacher. Uh, what type of law do you practice? I practice primarily criminal defense, and I do do some car accident cases. I'm I'm trying to gear my practice a little bit more to um, car accidents, but right now it's it's mainly um, criminal defense. It's all these transitions. You got a lot of moving pieces. I want to ask about how was the transition from law school to practice? Um, okay. Sometimes I guess my wife is in law school now, and law students think that. Law, law school is what practicing law will be like. Uh, is there any similarities? Are there any differences? And, and you know, what is your take on Well, law school and practicing law are it's two totally different animals. Um, law school teaches you how to issue spot. Um, practicing law, they don't teach you. I mean, I think law school is just like high school. You know, they teach you a lot of principles, but they don't teach you any type of practicum. Um, well, it, it, I mean, they did teach us trial skills and, and things like that. But in terms of running a business, they don't they don't teach you anything like that. A lot of times they teach you to go get a job at a big firm. Um, and I think that that's what a lot of people like to do. I mean, it's, it's very secure. Um, you get a paycheck. Big firms pay you a lot of money. You don't have to market. You don't have to do any type of advertising. You're, the business comes to you. You just do your job. You're out at five o'clock. Um, but if I was going to do that, I could have just stayed in corporate America or stayed as a teacher. Um, and I did get a job at an oil and gas company when I got out of um, law school. And I hated it. It was just contracts. It was redlining contracts and just looking at the same thing every single day. And I, I really believe in, in no slight to the company. But I feel like my daughter could have did the things that I did for the, for the company if, if, if I would have trained her. And so I knew that I wasn't being fulfilled there and I hated going every day and the pay was the pay was good. But I just didn't I, I just felt like I took too big of a sacrifice to just go somewhere where I wasn't even happy. I was happier actually being a teacher. And so one day I just was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And so I'm going to try to open my own practice. And like I said, I always bring it back to the worst thing that can happen is I can be a teacher again. Um, I still have my degree. I still have credentials so I can get a job. That's not going to be hard. So why don't I just step out on faith and see 
how it goes. And then it just blossomed from there. And the, the most interesting part about it all is like one of my first clients was my dad. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how was that? Um, <laughs> it was it was crazy. Um, of course, you know, you love your dad in a way that you're not gonna love any other client. So you know you're gonna make sure you go hard for his case. Um, but he was 100%, you know, caught. (laughs) So the only thing I could do is mitigate his punishment down to something that would, you know, be favorable for him. And unfortunately, before his, I ended up getting him uh, a deferred adjudication. And unfortunately, before it was over, he died. Sorry to hear that. I was going to ask, you know, when you step out on faith, you know, it's like you're trying something new, but what was it like to step out on faith, trusting in your skill set, trusting that you had what it took to, you know, be an entrepreneur within that career path? Really, to be honest, that's just what I do with everything. Um, Even stepping out on faith, going to law school, I just was like, Lord, if you want it to be done, you need to open a door, let me know how to do, because I didn't even know how to get into law school. So I was just like, Lord, if you want it, if it's meant like open a door and even with starting my own practice um i had a i have a full mortgage again two children no child support um and quitting a job with no money saved so i wrote it down i said look this is this is how many clients i need to cover my mortgage This is how many I need to, you know, just make sure my day-to-day expenses are taken care of. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as my bills are paid, I didn't really need access. I just needed to just make sure my bills were paid. So as long as I had that covered, because I've struggled so much in my life, I've always just been able to live paycheck to paycheck anyway. So I was just like, as long as I can do that, God, we gonna just see what's gonna happen. And that's just what I did. And it just worked. It just worked out. It it, it worked out great. I was gonna say, um, what advice would you give to someone who wants to start their own business? Um, the advice I would give to someone who wants to start their own business is not doing it the way I did. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just quit your job. You know, set up your LLC, set up your you know business checking account. Um, figure out what kind of entity you want to be, figure out what kind of law you, you definitely want to practice, start, you know, just getting your business cards and just get everything you need to do. Just get it all set up before you actually take that leap. And I would save some money before I did it. Um, but even if you don't, even if you don't, if you're a hustler, you're going to make it, you're going to make it happen. I had no choice. I wasn't going to, you know, get my house foreclosed on. So you definitely can if you can put yourself out there um a lot of times people don't like to put them put themselves out there they don't like to be vulnerable but i was able to talk to people let people know what i was doing build trust with people and as long as you just continue to do quality work just make sure you're you you know you're doing what you need to do you're doing everything ethically um and then you'll start getting referrals and your business will start growing from there 
that you just have to put the work in. I mean, we're in a microwave society, but right now, if you're able to actually work and hit the ground running, you, you can definitely build a successful practice, whatever kind of practice you're gonna do. I don't know. You got me. You got me motivated. I mean, I'm just. You know what I'm saying. You got me motivated. So, what 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 are you what do you think that you're gonna do after school? Like, what are some things you think you need to know? Um, with me, like something that motivates me, uh, is juvenile law. I want to become a juvenile lawyer. Uh, I feel like though that's the way I can um use my gifts, you know, to inspire, motivate, and and, and help other young guys. Cause I, I I don't know if you know my situation. Like, I grew up in Miami, Liberty City. Uh, I was a no scout on the fence, you know, growing up. My dad was in prison my whole life back home in Miami. My dad is a hitman down there in Miami. So he did a lot of time. He was in prison a lot of time. So my mom, I, I understand the single mother aspect, you know, all that, you know. I grew, that's the way I grew up. My grandma raised me. Uh, I had a full ride coming out of high school. I played on one of the best high school teams in Miami ever played, you know. Uh, I had a full ride at the University of South Florida. Went to the University of South Florida. My freshman year of college, um, trying to make money, because I always had to make money on my own. I couldn't get money from my mom, my grandma on fixed income. You know, mm-hmm. I had to do things on my own. So I was, I, I chose to rob and sell drugs, you know, at a young age. You know, that's how I survived. Uh, I got locked up um, freshman year of college, you know, but not in, not in, in Tampa while I went to school at Miami, you know. I didn't know, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being locked up, it, it taught me a lot, you know. I had to go to trial. When we get there, I had to go to trial. And I had to sit on the trial. So now, uh, I never thought I'd be in that position before. So I had to sit on the trial and, and put my life in other, in other people's hands. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I won trial. And I told God, you know, if I went to trial, you know, I'm gonna do something in my life. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna do something better with my life. I got opportunity. From there, I got home, uh, went back to college. You know, I went to Tuskegee. I went knocking on different doors, man. Can you give me opportunity, give me opportunity? All these good white school PWIs that I once had access to. Now that I, I've been incarcerated, I've been away, they look at me different. Mm-hmm. You know, Tuskegee gave me opportunity. I went to Tuskegee. I played good, fo- good football there, All-American, everything. And, you know, we got pregnant. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We got pregnant. <laughs> we got pregnant. We got pregnant, that was the second obstacle that I had to overcome when I had my journey to college. Um, the first one was um, my sophomore year, my grandma, she fell sick of cancer, the woman that raised me. And part of the, what, part of the reason why I won trial and I was able to come home, you know, that was my alibi, you know, that was my defense. You know, my grandma, she had to get on the stand and, you know, she stood by her grandson mm-hmm. and, you know, it worked. And like, I, I won't blow this opportunity, you know what I'm saying, to be free. I, I, I value my freedom now, you know, being young, you know, you, you you hear about other people catching life sentence. You hear about other people getting in this type of trouble, but to actually be in a position where I had to say, like, my life could actually be over. Mm-hmm. Like, my cellmate right now, like, we J-Pay text each other, message each other, like, he got life sentence. You know what I'm saying? I met him when I was 18, 18, 19, he was 17. He got life sentence right now. So it's like, he lost trial. I could have easily lost trial and been right there with him. Yeah. So now it's like, uh, what can I do now to bring service to help others? You know, and for, for a while, uh, I thought it was just football. Like, you know what I'm saying? I play football good, you know, I use this platform. Now I realize, man, you can create a platform, however you create a platform, as long mm-hmm. as you give back and help. You know what, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And 
I still long desire to play football because I don't think I never go nowhere. But I also understand that being that I chose to play with guns, being that I chose to do these things, I forfeited um, some opportunities. Mm-hmm. Now, I won't say I forfeited a football opportunity, but I forfeited like opportunity to go to a big time Division One school. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If it was an opportunity for me to get into the NFL, so I know I perform, but I just know like what I've been through. It's a, little, it's a little different. Yeah, different you change journey. you change your life. Like yeah. a lot of things, just would, one decision will definitely change your life. Yeah. Um. And I I I, I made plenty of yeah. bad decisions or whatever, but um, it's, it's tough. But I think that as long as you, at some point, you're gonna wake up yeah. and you're gonna be like, look, I need to get you know yeah. on the straight and narrow and get from point A to point B and and not keep taking all these detours. Yeah. But um. I think that the biggest thing that helped me is Hurricane Katrina. And I know that it was a terrible situation, um, but it afforded me to get my teaching certificate because um, I was able to get that for free when I came here because they were you know, helping people who were evacuees. Um, and then just from there, I was able to use my um, summers to study for the LSAT. Um, and I was able to, to, to get into law school here at South Texas. Um, so, I mean, I just feel like with everything that you experience, you can make it into either a positive or a negative. And just because it is a negative situation, it doesn't mean you have to, you have to make it a negative result, you know? Um, but I don't know. I think that because I was a mother at such a young, young age and I had children depending on me and I, had the experience of my mother who I didn't want to be like. Um, I think it just helped me to be, you know, really responsible, you know. The sky's the limit and I just know that it's not easy. It's it's definitely not easy to do it, but it's not impossible. You know, it's not impossible. And I'm still dealing with the same kids who are going off to college this year, um, still with no help you know, from their dad. And I'm still developing, still learning, business still growing, very successful. Um, so I, I'm just blessed. I'm, I'm really blessed. Hey, <laughs> you gonna help mentor me through my process. <laughs> I got you, I got you. <laughs> my process. But that's kind of like my little journey though, you know. You know I, I had times when I was like, man, what am I doing? You know what I'm saying? Like just sitting in that cell, imagine, like I had the world in my hand. Like I look at my friends now, like my, my, my closest friends, like they millionaires right now. Mm-hmm. Off of the game that we grew up playing. Like and then in Miami, I don't know, Miami is similar to Louisiana, New Orleans, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like it's rough. And then like I'm from like the area, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying, where everything going down at. So it was kind of like difficult to navigate through that, through that um, process. So, you know, now, knowing what I know now, you know, I could tell a younger dude, you gotta do it like this. And then a person, a younger dude that got in trouble and is trying to get on the right, I can show them how. You understand, when I got out of my situation, like I won trial, I be vocation in trial. And then I had to come back still and take, and do a five year probation with withhold adjudication. You understand? So I could show a young dude how to do probation. Like they can say, like, you can't make probation. No, you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's just a route you got to take. You know what I'm saying? You got to have a plan. You know, my plan was, you know, for me going back to college playing football, 
it was different because I'm going back to school playing football. Now I got to report to a probation officer before I leave to go to a game. And now my, my teammates looking at me different, like, dang, like, like they kind of like a little scared of me, like, dang, like, I'm like, no, I'm just a regular person. I, that's That was never the the type of person I want a person to look at me and like, oh, man, he, you know, because I all, even in school, like, I always made good grades. Like, I graduated high school with a 3.7. Uh, you know, I scored like a 23, 24 on my SAT. I was always a good dude, but I also needed to make money. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I couldn't just say, well, I need this, I need that. I couldn't do that. Grandma, my grandma on a fixed income, she get $500 a month. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, you know, mom, you know, mom living her life, she still was young too. So you understand the mm-hmm. di- dynamics. Yeah. It's so easy for a young dude to get caught up. Yeah. You know, I got other brothers and sisters, so, you know, let them, you know, I was, I was that other kid, you know, I was more into the world. Well, we ain't got to worry about quick. We're going to take care of stuff. Yeah, I was the middle kid and I was yeah. the kid who nobody worried about. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I thought I was grown, but I mean, that didn't mean that I still didn't need parenting and guidance. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You're just strong. Right. So. Are there any lasting words you want to leave with the listeners? I would say um, there's never going to be a good time to step out on faith. Um, you just need to go ahead and do it. I know it's uncomfortable. Um, it might not be what your friends or your family want you to do or think you should be doing. But again, it's never going to be a right time to do it. Uh, as long as you know that you have planned everything out uh, and you know what it takes to get you to the next level, I would say just go ahead and do it. I, my biggest regret is not doing things sooner, not going straight from undergrad to law school. Because like like um, Q was saying, my peers are making um, uh, millionaires, basically. The people that I know who are my age, they are so much further ahead of me because they went straight from, they, they took the, the right road, you know, the, the quickest way to get from point A to point B is a straight line. You know, my route wasn't a straight line. It was a squiggly line. It was a diagonal line. It was all over the place. I still got to where I'm supposed to be, but I could have done it a whole lot quicker. And it's easy for people to say, don't look to your left or to your right, you know, just focus on yourself. But when you look at other people, they motivate you to do things. Um, And so I'm glad that my peers are where they are, but I wish that I would have taken that same road to where it just would have not been as difficult for me. Um, but I would just say, if you can, you know, step out of the boat, you know, the, the worst thing that can happen is what, you're not gonna die. Um, so I would just say, just do it. Cause there's never gonna be a right time. It's never gonna be the right circumstance. You're never gonna have it all together. Um, but just go ahead and, and, and try and see what you're made of, you know? Well, thank you, thank you, we really appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Uh, where can the listeners find you uh, if they want to reach out to you, uh, especially involving a legal matter? <laughs> you can find me at www.westerlawoffice.com or you can reach out to me on social media at Jamaica the Lawyer or you can call my office at 281-397-1176. This concludes episode 28 of The Process. Be sure to like us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and to like us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you. They're chanting, trust the process.
Trust the process. Trust the process. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. Right? You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.